It's the little details that are vital. Little things make big things happen. John Wooden. This is true with both beneficial and harmful things. When it comes to your health, artificial implants are little things that can do a lot of harm. My guest today helps women to uncover the truth about how their health might be affected by small things. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. And welcome back to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution with Dr. Kieran. I'm so glad to be here with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Really excited about our topic this week. You can't talk about this enough. There are millions of women with breast implants in the United States. I used to be one of them. And if you have them and you're not aware that they could be causing you health problems, that it might be part of the reason why you have health problems, hormonal imbalances, GI difficulties, you name it, then you really want to listen up. Or if you're thinking you might get breast implants, you want to think twice or even 10 times about that decision. And my guest today is going to help you understand why this is such an important topic to consider. Her name's Sarah Philippe. She's a breast implant illness expert and registered nurse with certifications in functional medicine and detox. Her approach to reversing breast implant illness focuses on rebuilding the health of the whole body by addressing all of the root causes that contribute to chronic illness instead of relying solely on explant surgery. Sarah believes that the body has an innate desire to heal if given what it needs, and she focuses on teaching women how to unlock that innate intelligence and to heal themselves. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here just kind of sharing all of this really important information with your your audience. Yes, it's such important information. I too had implants and didn't realize that they were contributing to my health problems until someone kind of broke through my said, uh, Kieran, I think this is part of your problem. And at first I wasn't willing to accept it because even though I had made this transition mentally with all other aspects of my health, with my hormones, with my weight, and I had healed from obesity and chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, that was like a set aside in my mind that I had it as a carryover from my beliefs of mainstream medicine. And so it was years later when someone kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, excuse me, Karen, but I think this is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So help everybody understand why that is. Yeah. And my story is similar to yours in the sense that I, it took me a while to get on board with, you know, taking the plunge and having the breast implants removed. And I did all the other things before I went down that path. It's a tough choice for some people. And, um, you know, how they impact the body, you know, there's several different ways they can impact the body and on a couple of different levels. So, you know, first of all, they're a physical 
stressor. You know, they're a foreign object that doesn't belong in your body and your body knows that, which is why the body creates a capsule around the, the implants. They're basically, your body's trying to wall them off to protect you from them. So they're, they become this chronic source of immune stimulation, recruiting all kinds of different inflammatory cytokines. And it can be a little bit distracting for the immune system as well, because it's so busy focusing on these two giant, you know, foreign objects that it doesn't really see some of the other problems that are going on. And that's where different types of infections can become reactivated that maybe your immune system was keeping at bay prior to having breast implants. And now they become a problem again, because like I said, the immune system's too busy trying to take care of this other problem over here. So beyond a physical stressor and an immune stressor, they have a tendency to also be a really perfect environment for the growth of other, you know, microorganisms around them. So it's kind of like, you know, a Petri dish, you know, especially saline implants, those valves that are used to fill the saline implants, actually, a lot of the time, fluid is able to get in and out of them. So you've got bodily fluids that are able to get into the implants and then fluid from the implants that it's able to escape the implants. And it can become a Petri dish where I've seen people who have had saline implants removed and there's mold growing in them, or they've tested, you know, the fluid surrounding the implant in between the implant and the capsule. And there's, you know, 10 different types of microorganisms growing in that environment. And, you know, beyond that, the biofilm that's created around those bacteria to protect themselves from the immune system is a huge problem because you'd end up developing different types of infections that are low grade and chronic, not something that you would necessarily attribute to, you know, a a really serious infection, but you can end up having things like perioral dermatitis, like I had, you know, and other specific bacteria that are known to contribute to that. And they're often found in the fluid that they collect when they remove breast implants. And so, you know, just doing antibiotics, you know, going rounds and rounds of antibiotics, trying to deal with something like that isn't going to be a great solution because you've got these biofilm that are there protecting that bacteria from the antibiotic, even being able to get at that level. It becomes pretty complicated. And then in addition to that, you have you know, all the different types of chemicals and heavy metals that are found within breast implants. And, you know, beyond the silicone, the silicone itself is very toxic to the body. It's considered a neurotoxin. It can chelate neurotransmitters. It can even act like mercury in the brain. It can migrate through different organs and systems through the lymphatics. So it's not even, you know, isolated to just the breast area. That silicone can bleed out of the implants at body temperature. And that's just one thing that, you know, no one's ever really tested. And then beyond the silicone, you have lots of different types of toxins. You have, you know, heavy metals like lead and mercury. You have, you know, methyl ethyl ketone, cyclohexone, acetone, phenol. Those are all neurotoxins. And then you have talcum powder and formaldehyde and lacquer thinner and printing ink and metal cleaning acid. You know, so lots and lots of different types of toxins, which all add up, you know, it's all just multiple drops in the bucket that eventually overflow our toxic bucket. And so that can really Mm -hmm. overload and overwhelm 
you know, all the different detoxification pathways and the lymphatics. Right. And so I know a lot of people listening who have implants are now going, they're not breathing because they're thinking all that's in me, but I know they probably discussed it with their doctor and their doctor said, oh, none of that gets outside of the implant. So what do you say when doctors say that? Because there are many who still claim that that's the fact. Yeah. Well, there's actually actually been some research on gel bleed and they've actually been able to show that it does happen that, you know, at body temperature, as those implants are heated up to body temperature, that the contents start to bleed into the body. It's kind of like heating up plastic. The more you heat up plastic, the more what's those chemicals that are in the plastic are going to leach out into, you know, your food or your water. It's the same idea, you know, that chemical soup you know, that we call breast implants as being heated up and those things just leach right out into the lymphatic system. There's lots of dense lymphatic tissue surrounding the breast. And so it makes its way through even the capsule because the capsule is not a perfect enclosure. It's not going to completely protect you from that exposure because when they have studied the capsule under microscope and just evaluated the structure of the capsule, they've actually said that it's even more like it's not completely closed. So you have these basically holes that things are able to get right through and into the body and into the lymphatic system and then travel throughout the body via the lymph. The lymph is like the highway, you know, that leads to all the various organs in the body. Yes, but I still find it's interesting that informed consent for having silicone implants placed doesn't include an acknowledgement of what you just described of the toxins in there and the gel bleed and how it does have a systemic presence. It really it doesn't even include the fact that it could increase your risk for leukemia. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is going to need to happen to change the regulations around implants? Well, in 2019, they actually did have a big FDA hearing and lots of people went to this hearing and a lot of patients even and patient advocates spoke up and and shared a lot of stories and they were actually able to achieve getting a black box warning put on implants. And whether or not, you know, a surgeon who is placing implants decides to share that information is another story, right? I mean, a lot of this information was out there in the research long time ago. And I know when I had my breast implants placed, none of that was discussed. None of the risk of developing autoimmunity, especially if you have a genetic predisposition to that was discussed. Nothing, none of the contents of what was in the implants was discussed. So it's really up to the surgeons to really do that education. And that's their job. You know, it's not our job to go and research the heck out of everything we do, trying to make sure it's safe. You know, we put our trust in the medical system and that's where, unfortunately, it can get us into trouble because there just aren't a lot of regulations in the U.S., That is true. And hopefully that will change in the future. How did you come to be an expert in breast implant illness? What was your path? Well, I think like most of us who are in this kind of field, we're, you know, in holistic, some kind of holistic health field, it was really a pain to purpose story for me, you know, having gone through this myself. And I had breast implants placed in 2011. It was interesting path for me because I had always wanted breast implants and it even went back to childhood and there was something that someone very close to me said that really stuck with me for my entire life. Someone really important to me said, you're going to end up being 4'11", 4'11", just like me, 
but don't worry, you're going to have the Johnson boobs. So the Johnson boobs were, you know, the thing I was, I felt like I needed to have in order to feel worthy and like a woman, you know, when I watched my mom get teased a little bit when I was growing up from family members about how she didn't have, you know, she had a flat chest and couldn't fill out her top and all of that. And so all of those little memories kind of stuck with me and led to my decision to get breast implants because of that lack of self-confidence and a lack of really knowing who I am outside of the physical being. And so when I had my breast implants placed, I had already kind of set the stage for the fall with my diet and lifestyle. I had very, I had very poor dietary habits and lifestyle. Um, I was working night shift as a nurse. I was pushing my body to the very brink at the gym day in and day out. I was eating the standard American diet, lots of sugar, And so I kind of had set that stage and then I had the breast implants placed and within six months I started developing all kinds of symptoms and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And it just really, you know, doctors couldn't help me. They didn't have answers for me. All my lab work looked normal, you know, the usual story. And then that eventually led me down the path of realizing that I'm going to have to figure this out on my own because no one else can help me. And no one else has answers for me. And so that led me to a place of just doing lots of research and realizing that there's another way out there. There's more of a root cause approach way of doing things and that, you know, I'd ended up discovering functional medicine and, you know, which led me down the path of becoming a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner so that I could figure myself out first. And, you know, through that experience, through doing all that functional lab work and discovering all the things that were going on in my body that had gone awry, I really ended up having a huge conflict mentally and emotionally between like what I believed health to be and how we could restore health and the things that I was doing at my job as a nurse, you know, such a mental emotional stressor having to go to work and do the opposite for people that, that I was doing for myself. So that really, really piqued my desire to go down a different path, a different career path. And so I figured, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to learn everything I can about how the body works, what things impact the function of how our, or the, the function in our body, basically, and what we can do to restore health. And so that's kind of the path that I took is just doing all those things that I learned and, you know, addressing root causes and fixing my diet, working on my lifestyle and just living a different way, you know, reducing toxic exposures in my home and my personal care products and cleaning up my water and all of that. You know, there's so much that goes into all the different things that can create dysfunction in our body. And we can do a lot. We have a lot of control over over our health and over the things that impact us. So, you know, it led me down this path. Eventually, you know, I had the intuition within about a year after getting breast implants that it could maybe be my breast implants. But at the time, there was nobody else out there talking about this. There were no blog posts. There were no Facebook groups, nothing. And so I had nothing to go off of. I had no proof. You know, I couldn't find any reason why I should get them out other than just a hunch. And so it took me many years before I actually ended up deciding to go ahead and and have them removed. And it really came down to fertility. It came Mm -hmm. down to my hormones being so out of whack, developing stage four endometriosis and not being able to conceive. That was like just the the straw that broke the camel's back for me, you know, that just was the final straw of, okay, I just need to get these implants out because no matter what I do, I'm swimming upstream until I get out 
you know, get the source removed. Wow. What a journey. We'll be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Hey there, it's your conscience calling. It's a new year. Just wondering where you are with your resolution. You remember the one to lose some weight and get in shape? You know, life would be a whole lot better if you upped your metabolism, lost a few pounds, had some energy, and could get in your skinny jeans again, right? But I know you don't want to count calories, and I don't want you to either. And working out at the gym is not your idea of fun, or mine. I know you hate the thought that you might fail at weight loss again, and I do too. And that's why, this time, I've set you up for the ultimate success by working with a doctor who lost 100 pounds at midlife herself by addressing all the hidden causes of weight gain no one's told you about. It's about so much more than diet and exercise. You'll see, Dr. Kieran will tell you all the secrets you need to know to lose 10 pounds and double your energy in the 28-day Jumpstart program. It addresses all the reasons that 90% of weight loss programs fail women at midlife. Yup, it was created by Dr. Kieran after she lost 100 pounds at midlife. She designed it to address the same issues that you're having. Only you don't know you're having them because no one told you. So yes, I heard what you want. And for sure, you totally deserve it. To live in a body that is healthy and vital and supports you in doing everything that you want to do. And to look good doing it while having more fun than you can imagine, I got you. And I know you don't want to pay a lot of money to try yet another program. So you'll love the special introductory offer of just $47 to join. Just $47? Girl, you know you spend that on things you can't even remember every single month. What have you got to lose? Nothing. Losing 10 pounds could just be the jumpstart you need to your next level of living. It's all ready for you. Just go to jumpstartyourmidlifemojo.com to get the details on this amazing program and sign up now. Then you can check off, lose weight, and feel great from your to-do list and get back to the things that matter most to you. I heard you, and I've answered. Dr. Kieran's got your resolution covered with the Jumpstart program. I'll see you there. And we're back. And so then you had them out, and what happened after that? I had them removed, and I felt a little bit better within a few months, and it took about six months to where I felt pretty good. I did do a lot of work, though, after my explant. You know, I didn't just remove my breast implants. I did a lot of detox work, a lot of working on my gut, working on addressing infections and things like that, just kind of cleaning up the mess. And then six months after my explant, I needed to have a second surgery. So that wasn't the end of the road for me. You know, I ended up needing to go, I needed to have a laparoscopy to remove all of that endometriosis. So being stage four, that means that I had organ involvement. So I had bowel involvement and vaginal wall involvement and fallopian tube involvement. So I had to have, you know, a bowel resection. I had to have part of my vaginal wall cut out. I had to have one of my fallopian tubes removed. It was a very aggressive, extensive surgery. It was an eight-hour surgery. And my surgeon said it was that the worst case he'd ever seen. So no wonder I was so inflamed and not getting pregnant. You know, I was never going to get pregnant with that much inflammation in my body. That was a long recovery That from that surgery. It took quite some time for me to regain normal function again. And at that point, you know, it was probably about a year, year and a half mark 
since my explant surgery that I really started feeling like myself again. And so not everyone is going to require that much medical intervention. But for me, I was just, my body was so far gone that I needed to have something like a surgery to help bring it back. Wow, Sarah, that's just such an an incredible, painful journey. And, you know, I know it's our pain that brings us to our purpose. And I, I have a similarly painful experience and story, but I know it was kind of mine and it was the natural evolution. But when I hear what you're describing, and I've actually done surgeries like that on people with stage four endometriosis, where the surgery took eight hours and we had to do bowel resection. And it was just like a bomb went off inside. I know how painful that is. So it gives my stomach make clenches when I hear that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're at this place now. I know everybody listening is wondering, well, did you get pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> I will say that it's been (laughs) more than three years now. It's been uh, three and a half years since I had, a little over three years since I had my breast implants removed. And I will say that I, the biggest thing for me that I wish I had done from the get-go was mindset work. Mm. So even though I had my breast implants removed and I had excision surgery to get rid of that endometriosis, I still had a sick mindset. I still had a a fear, a worry, doubt in me that I would never get pregnant and worried that I, you know, I had done too much damage. My body had too much damage to ever conceive again. You know, I would say within the past six months, even, so it hasn't been all that long. I've done so much work around my mindset and, you know, just shifting what I believe is possible for my body. And I think our thoughts are so important to our ability to heal and our ability to achieve anything in life, regardless of what it is, you know, thoughts are things and they have a huge influence on even just how our body functions. Yeah, I think that's so important. And of all the breast implant illness talks I've had with experts, haven't really brought up this subject, but I think this idea about your thoughts, you know, thoughts are documented to affect your health through your cortisol. They directly affect your stress response system when you think negative thoughts. But this idea that Perhaps, yes, the breast implants are toxic, but perhaps the women who have them are self-selected because of the reason and thoughts they were thinking that before they had the implants in the first place, because under that is, I am not enough. Yeah. My breasts are not enough. I am not enough. I am not good enough as I am, and I need something else to be worth worthy, Mm -hmm. to be lovable. I need bigger breasts to be worthy and lovable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those are toxic thoughts that all of us thought before we got breast implants, whether we're aware of it or not, we did think that. So we're already thinking thoughts and having beliefs that are harming our hormones through our cortisol and that are toxic. And then we have this toxic, basically trash put in us. Mm -hmm. And then the two together. So have you talked with other experts or thought much about that idea? About the thoughts? About, yeah, that women Mm -hmm. who have implants are really Mm -hmm. self-selecting, but they're a group who has toxic thoughts, which are documented to affect your health. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that there is something to that for sure. I know it was true for me. And as women, you know, we're just kind of bombarded these days with 
images, especially now, gosh, I feel so bad for our young girls today with social media and all the different platforms that we're seeing images of perfection or what society views as perfection. And that doesn't really exist in real life. You know, all of these images that we're looking at day after day and wanting to be more like and seeing all the different people out there who are altering their body to become, you know, Kim Kardashian or whoever you might want to, whoever you look up to. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that has, I think that all by itself has a huge influence on how we feel about ourselves and whether we value, you know, more than just our bodies and whether we really truly understand who we are as women and as human beings beyond just the outside appearance. And I think that's one thing that I struggled with, you know, in my younger years, in my, you know, 20s and early 30s was not really knowing who I was outside of how I viewed myself physically. And so that is, you know, the biggest reason why I got the breast implants is because I felt like I needed to have that to feel worthy and to feel like a woman, a real woman, and to feel like I was sexy, you know, and that didn't come from you know, my husband or other relationships that came from my own insecurities. And, you know, that trend definitely, I think, continued in other parts of my life too. You know, that just negative thoughts, I think were more of a habit than thinking positively, you know, and we think between 60 and 70,000 different thoughts in a day. And 90% of those are exactly the same thoughts we had the day before. And they're usually negative thoughts. And I think that's human nature to go to the negative place rather than to the positive place. So, you know, I really think that that leads to us getting more of what we don't want and, you know, getting more of what has happened in the past. So the past just tends to recreate itself over and over again because we keep thinking the same thing. So if we can really change our minds and change the way we think, we can change our lives. That is for sure. And that's something I talk about all the time. So everybody listening is nodding their head going, yep, yep, Dr. Kieran knows all about that and (laughs) talks about that. Let's talk a little bit about implants and hormones. It's not something that I hear a lot of experts talking about, but I think it's important to help everyone understand. And I kind of liken breast implants to keeping the trash in your house and never taking it out. Sure, it's in a plastic bag, so you're physically protected from it, but can't you smell it because there are gases and all kinds of things that come through the plastic. So just like you were talking about, the capsule doesn't is not a solid wall. Even what looks like a solid wall, if you go down to a subatomic level, is mostly space. Even our human bodies, if you go to a subatomic level, level, Mm -hmm. we are mostly space. We are few atoms. So it's the same there. It's porous. So your trash bag is porous. And so how would your house be if you just kept the trash in there all the time? So that's what I kind of liken breast implants to. So how, what does this do to your hormones and how does it do it? Well, I've seen it impact hormones in many different ways, and I'm often running hormone panels on clients of mine. So it's one of those things that is just so helpful to see across the board with every single woman because you can really see what's going on and how they've been impacted. And so what I normally see is, first of all, we know breast implants are a source of stress on a few different levels, right? A chemical, a physical, immune stress, and that will trigger your stress response. 
So what that means is it's triggering cortisol production and cortisol is important for helping to modulate inflammation amongst many other things. But for this purpose, it's really going to work for you to help kind of reduce inflammation. Long-term chronic exposure to stressors will create a situation where Initially, your adrenals may be pumping out tons of cortisol, but over time, that becomes very inflammatory to the tissues and your body is very intelligent and it wants to protect you from that. So it will choose to down-regulate production or even turn the cortisol into cortisone. So it's deactivating some of that cortisol so that you don't stay in that chronic inflamed state at the level of the tissues from that high exposure And when that happens, you know, your adrenals are sending messages to your thyroid, to your ovaries, to your hypothalamus, your pituitary, all of those different organs. There's all these different feedback loops. They're communicating and nothing happens in isolation. All these different things impact various different systems in the body. So end up seeing a situation where hormones become low because of the fact that your body is in this fight or flight state. And when you're in fight or flight, you're not concerned with reproduction. Your body is not, it's not prioritizing reproduction. That's last on the list. Your body is concerned with survival. So it will do what it needs to do to survive. And so sometimes that looks like really down regulated hormones, really low thyroid production, and that can cause a lot of symptoms. And sometimes I actually see a different situation where there's actually estrogen dominance, where estrogen is high and progesterone is low and maybe testosterone is even low. And there are, you know, different heavy metals within breast implants and chemicals within breast implants that can actually be considered an estrogen mimicker. So they can bind to estrogen receptor sites and mimic estrogen and really throw off hormone balance. So those are the most common ways that I see them affecting hormones. Even with something like endometriosis, like I had, you won't necessarily see that reflected on a hormone test. You know, mm-hmm. you can have completely normal estrogen and progesterone levels, but at the level of the tissue, you could have, you know, 10 times higher estrogen there. So it goes beyond just looking at the test results for face value. There's more going on in the body than we even realize when it comes to a significant source of stress like breast implants. Yeah, it's so true. And there's no one pattern that follows for everyone who has implants. So it's sometimes hard when I see a client who's having health problems at whatever age, I see a lot of women at midlife, to help her understand, well, yeah, you've had these implants for 10 or 20 years. Well, why are they causing me problems now is what she always wants to ask. And she says, well, my surgeon didn't tell me that they could cause these problems. I went to my surgeon. I asked him. He said, no, it's not the implants. And so they've just gone from doctor to doctor and place to place, and they're not getting solutions. And meanwhile, their health is just deteriorating. So it's sometimes hard to explain to them, you know, what the data shows about how this is affecting their hormones and increasing their autoimmune conditions. Many of them have that, their gastrointestinal problems, their toxicity, because there is no standard like, oh, breast implants cause high estrogen, low progesterone, low cortisol. It doesn't, it's not the same in everyone. It's just different. So I think I love how you really focus on your toxic load and really looking at that that's what correlates and everyone's toxin picture is different and their hormone imbalance picture is different. But when it comes down to it, 
those are the factors, the hormone imbalances and the, the toxins. So how do you advise someone who's listening to this and maybe is having some health problems? Maybe it's as mild as she has more fatigue than usual, or she's not sleeping well, or maybe she has an autoimmune condition, or she also has infertility, or she's hit perimenopause and thinking, oh my gosh, my health is a dumpster trash fire. What happened to my life? So, I mean, it can be no sex drive, hair loss, you name the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Where do you start when she has implants where do you tell her to start? Well, I'm always trying to educate people that your symptoms are typically a result of more than just one thing. And a lot of women, you know, when they discover breast implant illness, a lot of the time it's like a light bulb moment, you know, where they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't know about this. And my breast implants are the reason for all my health issues. Let me go run and get them out right away. And, you know, I'm going to wake up after my surgery and feel right. like 110 <laughs> times better. You know, you know, I think it's really important to understand that we didn't get here just from, you know, having breast implants. It's, I see a number of different scenarios. And so a couple of them look like, you know, maybe somebody had, been born via a C-section and not been breastfed and been sick a lot as a child and had lots of antibiotics as a child and then maybe had amalgams placed in their mouth, you know, the silver fillings. And that, you know, increases the toxic load on the body and wipes out the good gut bacteria. And then maybe, you know, they experience the loss of a loved one. And then down the road, they get breast implants. And that may have been the trigger. The breast implants may be the straw that broke the camel's back, the thing that just overflows the bucket and someone starts developing symptoms pretty quickly, like myself. And everything else leading up to that has set the stage for the eventual fall. Or it could be another situation where someone had, you know, a relatively healthy childhood, not a lot of stressors, not a lot of exposure to toxins, you know, got breast implants placed never had a problem for a decade for a couple of decades. And then at some point, you know, maybe they experienced the stressors, maybe a divorce, you know, maybe a car accident, maybe a few things that kind of add up to something being the trigger that throws their body over the edge to where they can no longer cope. And then they start developing symptoms. Mm -hmm. I think our bodies were designed to handle a lot, but we're dealing with far more in today's world than we were ever designed to cope with. And so at some point, something becomes the trigger. And it really doesn't matter to me in my mind, which came first, the breast implants or the symptoms. What matters most to me is once symptoms develop and chronic illness ensues, that we address all forms of stress on the body. And breast implants are one of those. They're a significant source and we have control over that. So why not get them out and give your body the best chance at healing? Yeah, I totally agree that, and I want everyone listening to understand your toxin bucket, as it gets full, symptoms will be triggered, but your body doesn't differentiate between, oh, I'm either reacting to breast implants or I'm reacting to that Epstein-Barr virus you got when you were in high school, or I'm reacting to the mercury and the fillings that you got throughout your childhood. It's not like that. You might function that way as a human being, but your body looks at all toxins and stressors coming in and then it triggers a response when it gets past a certain level. And, you know, the certain quality of the response could be different. Like when I started having what I now know was the implant illness, I would get these 
electric shocks across my face and certain nerve distributions. Well, I never had that before or since I had them out. So I know that that was the particular flavor from the breast implants. And everybody's different as to how they might experience this toxic soup, but your body doesn't care. And so you really have to have them out. I know when I do a a new client evaluation and I'm going through their health history, whenever a woman says, oh, and I had silicone breast, breast implants, I forgot to put that on my health history. Everybody forgets. Why do we forget that? And I say to myself, of course you do. Of course you do. No matter if they're 20 or 50, of course you do. I really, I think it's about 30% of the people I end up seeing who have gone from doctor to doctor to doctor without answers have breast implants. Mm -hmm. So it is really that, that toxic load. And I love how you talked about it affecting the stress response. And most women aren't aware that the, the cortisol interacts with your estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, which is your fertility and your sex drive and interacts with your thyroid and your insulin. So Toxicity. In the time we have left, let's talk a little bit about toxicity and how does someone with implants go about starting to detox? We know that she has the implants out and there's some specifics about how she should do that, right? So let's talk about that and what else she should be doing. Yeah. So I really think it's important to anytime we're embarking upon really detoxing the body, systemically to really start with the drainage pathways. So you have to think about the drainage pathways as a funnel. The bottom of that funnel is the colon. So you need to be having regular bowel movements every single day, at least one a day, ideally two to three, because that's where all the waste is. That's where all the toxins go into the gut for elimination. So we need to start there. Otherwise, you're just going to be clogging up that funnel. And then we have, you know, the liver and the kidneys are next above the the colon and those need to be working well. And if you have lots of sources of of toxic exposure, even beyond the breast implants, you have to think about other things in your life that you're exposed to, then you're overburdening your liver and your kidneys and adding, you know, a real true detoxification program to that may be too much for your body to handle. So really opening and supporting those organs, the drainage pathways are, it's crucial and working on eliminating or reducing as much exposure to different sources of toxins that you can, that you have control over. So you have control over what you bring into your home, what you put on your body. You don't have control over the outside environment. So we don't worry about that, but we work on the things we can control and to reduce our overall body burden. And then the lymph, you know, women who have breast implants or who have had breast implants, especially if they have had, let's say, a lift and fat transfer, they're going to have significantly impacted lymphatic flow. So lots of lymph stagnation because of the trauma of the surgery. And a lot of the time there is silicone in the lymph, which is very, very sticky and it doesn't move very well. And so you got you got a lot of clogged lymph nodes. And so we need to support the lymph because that's what's moving the trash. And it's also moving the nutrients to the cells where, you know, those things are needed. So that's kind of, you know, a little bit above the uh, liver and kidneys. And then we have, you know, the rest of your organs and, and your cells. So I kind of think of it that way. We need to really wor- work on opening those drainage pathways so that you can start eliminating toxins on your own 
and working on building healthy cells because we detox at the cellular level. So, you know, can, thinking about the fats that you have in your diet, are they inflammatory? Are you eating inflammatory fats and building inflamed rigid cells that aren't able to get toxins out? Or are you eating really good healthy fats that are building really nice fluid cells that, you know, things are able to move in and out easily? And then I think about the mitochondria as well. The mitochondria need to be addressed. Anytime there's any kind of chronic symptoms or chronic illness, the mitochondria are involved 100% of the time. So we have to support the mitochondria. We have to support the creation of new mitochondria and energy production at the cellular level because it's also very energy expensive to detox. And then we want to work on supporting methylation and not just everyone is so focused on the MTHFR gene mutation, but it goes really beyond that. You really have to understand there's a lot of different biochemical pathways involved in the methylation pathway itself. And then, you know, other different types of detox pathways like sulfation and, you know, glutathione production and all of that. So there's a lot involved and, you know, supporting the microbiome, you know, reestablishing balance in the microbiome. And then once you've kind of done the work to really support all of those organs and systems, then you can start really going in with true binders, good, strong binders, not things like celery juice or cilantro or chlorella. Those things I have found tend to make people feel a lot worse because they're not true binders. They don't bind on to heavy metals and toxins for all that long. They have a very short half-life. And so what happens is someone may take something like that and then four hours later it might feel terrible because they get redistribution. Yeah. And that is when you're basically auto-intoxicating. You're basically creating more toxicity within yourself. So we want to be using good, strong, true binders that are pharmaceutical grade. You know, we want to work with your practitioner who really understands detox. You don't want to try doing this alone. And they need to be used within their half-life. So there's lots of great, you know, products out there on the market that are effective. And the way I approach it is really setting up a concentration gradient, utilizing these binders. So utilizing the binders for a little bit, you know, maybe a week, maybe maybe even just four days and then taking some time off and really working on replenishing nutrients and minerals lost so that when we cycle on and off of detoxing, you know, cycles like that, we can establish a gradient for things to start moving out of the deeper tissues. And that's what we want. And we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Hey there, it's me again, your conscience. Just letting you know, I did hear you. The question is, did you hear me? Go to jumpstartyourmidlifemojo.com now to sign up for Dr. Kieran's next challenge starting soon. Pause this recording and go to the website now. We'll wait for you. Dr. Kieran's got you covered in achieving your resolutions this year. I'm always looking out for you. You're welcome. We're back. So you've covered a lot of stuff, very scientific. I know some people are going, oh my gosh, woo, it's over my head. And other people are going, I wish you'd give details. What binder do I need to get? Because <laughs> they're totally about the DIY and research it and do it myself. So we've yeah. got people on all sides of the spectrum. 
I think it is important to hear that Sarah's saying you really need to work with somebody who knows what they're doing. You can cause more damage to yourself than, than good if you do try to DIY and you DI don't. So that's just really important. I just really wanted her to give a kind of overview that you've got to address toxicity. What are some of the different things that need to be considered when doing that? And when she's definitely done that. Let's just finish up by talking about, you mentioned about mitochondria with detox. Mighty mitos are some of my favorite things to talk about. Because when I help women with weight loss and regaining their energy at midlife, it all happens in the mitochondria. That's where fat mean equals fuel. So how does that play a role with breast implant illness? Where do the mitochondria come in there? Well, you know, the mitochondria, most people think of them as the powerhouse of the cell, right? They're the energy producers. And while that's true, they're also very delicate. They're like the canary in the coal mine, right? So they're very delicate and very responsive to any kind of stressor. So a pathogen, a parasitic infection, a viral infection, you know, dysbiotic bacteria, different things like that, a foreign object like breast implants, you know, toxic exposures, a high level of toxicity. That is going to create a situation, and there's a lot more we could get into here, but I think it just gets too scientific. It creates a situation where the mitochondria go into battleship mode for you rather than energy powerhouse mode. So they're starting to really produce energy just for fueling the response that your body needs to go and fight that stressor. So they're no longer really producing the energy to fuel your cells and the processes that they're going through, which make up your organs, right? So every single cell in the body, except for red blood cells, contain mitochondria. So you need those mitochondria to be functioning in the capacity of energy production for those cells in order for those organs and systems to be working well. When they're, you know, off in battleship mode and not doing that job, that's when you end up developing dysfunction and a lot of symptoms. So the mitochondria are always a huge issue with breast implant illness, which is why a lot of women who are dealing with breast implant illness are so fatigued. And, you know, all the different organs and systems are just kind of, you know, not working well for them. It's the mitochondria. Yeah, your poor little powerhouses get shut down and they can't make energy for you. And I know my personal experience is having them out. I've read about some people who have them out and they woke up from anesthesia and they immediately felt better. I wasn't one of those. But over months, I'd say yeah. four to six months, every month got better and better until those strange symptoms like the electric shocks in my face and other things I was having went away. So this has been an incredible discussion, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us, for really highlighting the important aspects of breast implant illness, for sharing your story and your journey. I usually start or end rather, we're ending, not starting. I usually Mm -hmm. end by asking my guest to share three take action tips So if a woman's listening and she's heard this, she has breast implants, she's got health problems, and she's heard everything you've covered, which we covered a lot, where should she start? What would be the first three actions that she should take? Well, I think the first step is, I would say, you know, if you're really interested in gathering more more information and talking with a surgeon, I would go onto a website called breastimplantillness.com. There is a list, a very, very comprehensive list of explant surgeons where this is their expertise and they're listed by state and country. 
So even if you're not in the U.S., you can find surgeons listed there. I would not go to the surgeon that placed your implants. Right. (laughs) You know, they're not going to have your best interest at heart. And the surgeons that are doing explant surgery correctly, which is really important, you know, they are going to have your best interest in mind. And they're going to make sure that you have all the information that you need to be able to make an informed decision. So I would start, I would start there. Okay, great. And I forgot to mention you have a neurotoxic questionnaire for everyone. And that might be even a great place to start to see if you have a level that's neurotoxic. And then if you do, then consult with a surgeon. So we'll have the link in the show notes. What will they find with the questionnaire? This is the tool that I use with all of my clients. I think it's really valuable for people to really just rate a lot of their symptoms and be able to get, you know, that, see that on paper, see, you know, how toxic their body is just based on their score. And really you shouldn't have a lot of symptoms. You shouldn't be experiencing a lot of symptoms day to day if your body's functioning the way that it's supposed to. And when you do, that's an indication that there's a problem. You know, our symptoms are the body's way of communicating um, that there is a problem and it's time to start paying attention. They're usually the last thing to occur when the body is breaking down. So I love that as a tool because it's, it allows for people to just kind of see, you know, what their score is. And a lot of the time it's very surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's really high, that's an indication that you have, you have a problem and you, you really want to figure, get it figured out and deal with, you know, whatever the root causes are. Great. So they'll do the neurotoxic questionnaire, consult with a surgeon who knows about implant illness, not the one who put them in. And what would be the third take action step you would recommend? Working on, you know, cleaning up your home environment while you're in the process of waiting for an explant or making that decision, you know, this is another way you can reduce your toxic exposures. The breast implants are such a huge source of exposure, but like I said, we're bombarded with different exposures today. And so cleaning up your personal care products, cleaning up your, your cleaning products and just cookware and bakeware and all those different things that we don't think about that add up to fill and overflow your toxic bucket. So reducing those exposures will be really helpful for setting the stage for a better detox experience and better recovery post-explant. Even like just your water, your food, the air in your home, you know, filtering your air, all of that really helps. Yeah, I think we've done a good job today highlighting that, yes, explantation can be helpful, and it is one step in a lifelong journey of detoxification. And it hasn't ended for me. I explanted, what, uh, a couple years ago, three years ago, somewhere around that. And so it continues. It's it's lifelong. So yeah. thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. This has been a great discussion. I very much appreciate the wisdom and knowledge that you've shared with everyone today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, Post it on your social media and tag me. I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.